What am I supposed to be doing right now? Oh, that's right. Announcement time. Trying to change up the intro. Hey, it's announcement time. First off, I want to say this. Thank you to everyone who volunteered at our family fun night this last Wednesday. The kids had a great time. Uh, it was really an awesome night of uh, outreach into our community. So those of you who volunteered for that event, thank you. You're the best. A uh, few announcements coming up. After the 11 o'clock service here at the church, we are doing our newcomers lunch. So if you'd be interested in joining us for that, that'll be around noon. We'll be on the front deck. We'll have some refreshments and the staff will be out there. Uh, there should be some fans, I heard. So uh, we'll have a good time. It's a great time to meet us here at the church and uh, see how you can get better connected here. Uh, events coming up. August 26th, we have a movie night. We're showing the bad guys. That's our free family movie night. Uh, great night for the kids, great night for families. Join us, great movie. Even if you don't have kids, you can still come to that. There is a new women's Bible study starting Monday. It's this Monday, August 8th at 6.30 p.m. here at the church. It is a study on Priscilla Shire's The Armor of God. It'll be a good one. So ladies, that starts this Monday. I believe you can sign up on the app. So uh, ladies, join us for that. Uh, there's going to be a jam night August 31st. Let me just double check that date real quick. Yes, that's a Wednesday evening. I'll be here. Bring your instruments for another jam night. That'll be good. That's August coming up. We're going to have a blast. Won't want to miss the stuff coming up here at church. And speaking of church, let's get ready for it. Here we go. Woo! All right. Good morning. Welcome you joining us online. We're getting ready to go and uh, glad that you're with us. Worship was great earlier, so be even better now that you're here. And then we're popping back into our message on the fight. We're going to be talking about the events surrounding the flood today. Get your Bibles, turn to Genesis 6, get some coffee, get comfortable, get ready. Here we go. Woo! You guys are getting so good at that. <laughs> we had... We had company. They learned from the best. We had company a couple weeks ago, and every time you guys wooed, she kept looking around like, what? I was like, it's a thing. It's a thing here. <laughs> you don't know until you know. Okay. Welcome. It's great to see all your faces and hear your voices. We are looking forward to spending time with you in worship and in the word this morning. I'm going to tell you what we'll be attempting to do in case you didn't know. We start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship. And then Pastor Georgina will lead any of the kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classrooms. And then we'll have our time in the word with Pastor Steve. We are in the fight part four today. And it was really good. And I'm looking forward to you guys getting a whole bunch out of it. But before we start, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? We welcome your presence, Papa, and we are so thankful that you meet us right where we're at whenever we ask. Papa, thank you for all the ways that you've been with us this week, that you've shown yourself to us in the simple things. Papa, we're excited to see what you're going to do with us next week, in us and through us. As we continue to press into the fight, would you keep our hearts open, our ears ready to receive? Papa, we want to be changed by your word. 
help us to draw closer to you. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Lord God, your unfailing providence governs all things in heaven and on earth. We humbly ask you to take away from us all hurtful things and to give us that which is helpful for our now and forever life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup. It was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is a cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion, the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. The table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. We're going to enter now into our time of worship, and I'd encourage us all to sing out and lift your voices as we elevate Jesus here in our midst today. We're going to see the words pop up on the screen, so it's really easy to sing along with. You guys are welcome to sit, but stand if you're able. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord.
go to the throne room and worship God this morning together.
Time of worship in your presence, God. You're so faithful to us. You're so good, Lord. We love you. It's you who we worship. Lord God, as we're here in your presence, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken to us, that are taught to us? Use those words, God, to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are working with our children. God, anoint them. Give them everything that they need. Show all the kids your wonderful love for them. We love you, Lord. We worship you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Pastor Georgina, would you please come up and teach the children a Bible verse? 
How are you? Okay, good morning, boys and girls. <clears throat> so, if I asked you, if the Lord asked you, you ask me anything you want, and I will give it to you, what would you ask the Lord? So, I know that yesterday, Kurt made me um, like something brand new. I like that. Good job. Anybody else have anything? Ask them to give me all the Star Wars figures. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Well, our story today is going to talk about that, guys. God actually asked someone that. So, we know that King David reigned a long, long, long time, right? And his son Solomon was going to be king after him. And David, before he died, wanted to tell Solomon, very important instructions. He told them, you know, to be strong and have courage to obey the Lord, right? Because the Lord, that would make him be a good king. You know, he said, listen, the Lord has been good to us and he has promised that he, one, that one of her family members will always be a king of Israel, right? The king of Israel. And he, <laughs> and he said, obey. Make wise choices, he told them, right? And then King David died and Solomon became the king. And one day, the Lord spoke to Solomon in a dream. Isn't that amazing? I know, right? In a dream. And God said, Solomon, ask me anything you want and I will give it to you. Guess what Solomon said? He said, Lord, I am so young and I know nothing about being a king, right? And in 1 Kings 3, 9, he continued, So give your servant, servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours. God was very pleased that King Solomon asked for wisdom. So he told them, you will be the wisest person that has ever lived. And in the future, there will be no one wiser than you, he told them, right? And then God said, because you have asked for wisdom and nothing else, I'm going to give you the things that you didn't even ask for. I'm going to give you a long life. I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to give you honor. Then Solomon woke up and he thanked and praised the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I know. Oh, okay. Well, King Solomon was a very wise king, right? And he tried to follow the Lord the best that he could, but he was not perfect at it. But God had a plan to bring a greater and even wiser king. Who do you think it was? Jesus. Oh, Rehoboam, that's a good choice, yeah. But it was Jesus, right? Jesus was him, right? It was it. And Jesus followed God completely, perfectly. So much so that he died on the cross to save us from our sins, right? Isn't that amazing? So amazing. Okay, so now we're going to say the Bible verse together. You guys are ready to repeat after me? You too, Charlie, yeah. Okay, all in one voice, ready? First Kings 3, 9. To give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish 
between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Excellent job, guys. Good job. The children are getting stickers because God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then quickly, so school starts Wednesday. And uh, you guys all excited about school? <laughs> wow, I got booed off the stage by the kid. Thank you, sir. The parents are like, ooh. So um, listen, we're going to pray for you just in, in just a second. I'm going to pray for you. I also want to pray for uh, teachers and everybody. I have a backpack because um, I, I wanted to thank the church. So today, all the kids that come to church get a backpack filled with school supplies back in their Sunday school rooms. And don't worry, they're not all pink. There's pink ones and black ones and blue ones and of, yeah, so, yeah, I'm sure you would like a black. But, but church, you know, uh, I love to brag on you guys. You guys make this stuff possible. Thank you. And then uh, uh, we, we sent some backpacks over to Haiti, uh, to the kids that we work with there, and uh, we'll take whatever we have extra, which there should be a large number, and we'll give them and distribute them to the local schools. So thank you. Thank you for that kind of stuff. I have more stuff you've been up to, too, I'll tell you about in a minute. But I want to pray for the kids, and I also want to bless... Oh, teachers and homeschooler parent teacher people. And, uh, and anybody that works in the county school system or in the colleges or wherever you might be. And so I do want to pray for you. And if you could, if I want to pray a blessing over, if you're one of those people, teachers, work, drive buses, work in the county, you know, school system somewhere, uh, would you stand up, homeschool parents, and, uh, let me pray a blessing on you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, thank you. And we pray for those that are here, and we ask your blessing on them as a representative to all those who will be teaching the children uh, around us, God. And we pray for the children as well. Blessings on all of them. Give those who are working with our kids an abundance of peace and patience and more peace and more patience and uh, wisdom and lots of love and mercy and grace. Help the children all to learn well. And we thank you, God, for your goodness to us and for the ability to learn and to bless and to encourage and do all those things, Lord. So we thank you and we praise you for all of it now. And may all of you be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys. Have fun back in Children's Church. I'm going to just move this slightly. Will you take it when you go? Will it fit you? No. <laughs> Look it. Honey, a new backpack. Okay, don't wear it then. Um, the kids are leaving. I'm a little... Also, let me... While I'm uh, bragging on you, it's amazing church. So uh, school starting this week... Oh, I've got to hit another button. Hang on. Or else they'll be waving at me. And I won't know what's going on. And I'll have to go, what? Uh, so this week... The, we sent the food truck, all of us, we sent the food truck. Uh, on Wednesday, it went over to the charter school, and we fed all of the teachers and gave them all coffee uh, to bless them. And then on Friday, we went up to Stanley Switlick, and we did the same thing. Blessed all the teachers with breakfast and coffee. Thank you. You guys make that possible. We appreciate that. And then uh, we did our uh, Wednesday night family fun event. We got to bless a whole bunch of kids in the community. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And, uh, oh, we made financial contributions to nine local classrooms to help them get set up and get all the stuff they did. Thank you. You guys make that stuff possible. And 
It's really appreciated. Love being, uh, you know, able. It's so cool to be able to bless the community the way you guys help us to do. So thank you. Thank you for all of that. All right. That's enough of that. If you're a first-time guest, that QR code is for you. If you point your smart device at it with the camera on, you will get a link to our digital connect card. That will ask you for your name, phone number, email address. Please fill that out for us. You will, uh, in response to that, get a number of texts and emails over the next five or six weeks. And, uh, but we'd love to uh, have you fill it out. We have gifts for all first-time guests as well back at Guest Services. If you didn't get one on the way in, stop by on the way out and pick up a nice uh, welcoming gift. So that's that. We pray for our neighbors here. It's something I ask you to do every day. Pray for your neighbors. So powerful. And, uh, and then to reinforce it, we do it corporately uh, when we gather on the weekends. So think about a couple of your neighbors now. Just kind of get them in your mind's eye. Let's go to the Lord. Papa, we come before you and we pray for our neighbors. And we ask God that you would move in their lives in mighty, mighty ways. God, that you would draw those who don't know you into relationship with you and that you would help us to be good neighbors, to love our neighbors well. Bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area that hundreds and thousands of people will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. Keep it up. It's one of the most powerful things you can do is pray for your neighbors and pray that God moves in their lives. It's a big, big deal. We're going to continue on in our series and uh, in just a moment called The Fight. And so I'm, I, I've got some intro stuff, but I, I don't want to break it up and then tell bad jokes and then go back to it. So I'm going to hop straight to the jokes. Hey. <laughs> what did the arrogant pickle say to his friends? I don't know, but I like pickles. I'm kind of a big deal. This, this is my favorite, but everybody so hates it. Bad. I laughed at this. You don't know how hard and long I laughed at this in the wee hours of the morning. What do you say to your fruit before you leave the house? I'm going bananas. <laughs> Sorry. That's, it's really funny. You really went. You have to probably be tired, I guess. Would you pray for us and lead us in the reading I of the word? I can do that. That's much easier than listening to his jokes. <laughs> Let's press into Papa, shall we? Lord, you are so good, and we thank you for your presence here. We thank you, Lord, that when we worship you, your Holy Spirit comes, and you you walk amongst the aisles, and you heal our hearts, and you bring us closer to you. We are so aware, Papa, that you bankrupted heaven to send Jesus to us, and being grateful just doesn't seem like enough. So, Lord, I pray that we can give our hearts to you this morning completely, that we truly would surrender our lives to you and our breath. And in return, we get life and light and peace and wholeness and joy. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand with me, please, for the reading of the word? The text today is out of the book of Genesis, and this is chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. 
And then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal, and their days will be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were the heroes of old, the men of renown. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You guys can be seated. Okay, here we go. So, lots of cool stuff happening. This series is about spiritual battle. And eventually we're going to get to the armor of God. But as I started prepping for this, I just thought it would be so important to have a really solid foundation, theologically, of why we're in a battle at all. Where did evil come from? Why? What's going on? Who's the battle against? What's happening? And so we've went back to the beginning so we could get a handle on the story, and we started way back in Genesis 1. And uh, as we've been moving forward, we'll be in Genesis 6 today, uh, there's some terms that I brought up that I just want to quickly review. I can't do long review or else I won't have time to talk about what I want to talk about today. But some of you may not have heard what we've talked about, but also you need to hold some of these things as we move into Genesis 6 today. So the, the few ideas that I've given you, one was about uh, cosmology which uh, means the, the sort of order of creation, how you understand things coming into existence. We have a cosmology, and if we went around the room, all of our understanding that would be slightly different. But so did the people at the time that the Bible was written, and their cosmology, their understanding would be different than ours. It was written about 3,500 years ago. Um, it doesn't mean that we're smarter than them. We just know things differently than they knew them. But what we're tasked to do when we read the Scripture is to read it with the mindset of the people that it was written to. It was written for us, but it was written to them, and that impacts what's going on in the Scripture. And unfortunately, what we often try and do is we try and read it and force our culture and our worldview and our cosmology onto the text, and it's not designed like that. God knew what he was doing. He, he, it was written, you know, he partnered with people to write it at a time when we would be able to understand it because we would know what was going on back then. And so I said for the sake of our discussion to think of cosmology when God created the heavens and the earth. It's, it's basically sort of two realms or uh, two spaces, if you would, uh, a divine space and a human space. That's what you, when you're reading it, God created divine space, human space. And then I said that his, the next thing that we see him doing, God, is this cosmic temple, is what I call it. God wants a place where these things overlap, the divine space and the human space overlap. And he, so he creates, you know, the planet is here and, uh, and in a specific spot on the planet, he puts the Garden of Eden, which is this place, this design place. It's perfect where heaven and earth overlap. He is, we are, divine family is there. Plan is then and now that we're to go from there and we were to make the rest of the planet like that. That was, that was God's heart. That's God's deal. He wanted to partner with us and make that happen. And it's still the plan. Um, it's been derailed a few times, but God never has never let go of that plan. Go read Revelation 21, uh, and you'll see that that's the same plan has always been there. So uh, we've talked about cosmic temple, how important that is, that we get a hold of that there in Eden. And then uh, we talked about imagers, and again, that's sort of more of a verb. It's what we do. 
as well as, you know, kind of who we are. We partner with God. We're, we co-rule with God, God on the planet. We're imagers. And it's a great word for the human family that he created. We've talked about Elohim, little e-l-o-h-i-m, Elohim. And I said the best way to know that is that's the divine family, the spiritual family that you're aware of there. We've looked at lots of instances of them being there. Sometimes they're called angels. Sometimes they're called sons of God. Uh, God is an Elohim, but he's unlike any other Elohim. Uh, he's, you know, El Elohim. He created all the rest of the Elohim, but God made a spiritual family as well as a human family. And, and so we've had those ideas. Then we talked about um, free will, which is how evil got into the mix because people wonder what happened. Did God create evil beings? No, God, God created beings and gave them his attributes for the most part, because he wanted to be in relationship with like beings, lesser than, but like beings. And so he gave us his, his attributes and the divine family, those attributes. And among them is the ability to make choices. And people go, well, that's the problem. Why did they do that? Uh, see, God wants to be in relationship with beings who choose to be in relationship with him. If there's no choice, then you're, you're not really in relationship. You're, you're forced. And he didn't want that. He didn't create any robots. Uh, and so he gives us the ability to make choices. And, and be, you really can't, and I, I know I've said this a number of times, but you can't love uh, uh, God and you can't obey God if there isn't sort of another choice for you to make. And there was. And we've been looking at that. And that's where the problem comes in, is that all of us, the human family, have gone the wrong direction. And uh, parts of the Elohim have also exercised their free will and done things that they shouldn't. And, uh, and so that's where the problems started happening. And we saw the first result of that at the fall. And there you have one of the Elohim, little Elohim, uh, doesn't want to accept the human family and has this plan to sort of get them wiped out. And so he goes, he comes up with a plan to tempt them into doing what they shouldn't, to making bad choices. And his hope is that when they do, God will just get away from that plan and wipe them out. Doesn't want a human family involved. And uh, he's successful to a point. Uh, he gets us kicked out of Eden. We, we lose our connection to God the way we had it and to eternal life at the time. Fortunately, he's made a way back for us. But, uh, but that's the fallout of that. And there's also consequences for him and the planet uh, and all these things that happen as a result of the fall. And so um, that was the situation that we spent some time looking at last week. And, and if you, I, I mean, you know, hopefully you read Genesis 4, Genesis 5, you see things that continue to get worse. Um, people continue to make bad choices. Uh, the whole idea of, uh, you know, our mission was we were to be fruitful, multiply, and go and subdue the planet. And we keep stopping that, and we keep congregating in places. There's something about the connection in Revelation 21, where it talks about the heavenly city coming down out of heaven and coming to earth, we know we're hardwired. See, we're created by God. Heavenly, that's the ultimate for us, is this heavenly city connection that's going to take place. And we don't like doing things God's way, so we keep sh- trying to short circuit. So you'll see Cain do it. He tries to build a city. You'll see it next week when we talk at Tower of Babel. They try and do it. So we keep trying to make shortcuts that we can't make. And it's causing problems. And so the earth has gotten the planet, the people. Whew, they're a mess. But so have the Elohim. Uh, a number of them have gotten very wicked. And that's the story that takes place at the flood. That's what's happening. And so 
I had Alice read the beginning of Genesis 6, which is usually skipped over. When, and you think about your flood story, you don't usually get that part. We go straight to the ark, and we're not sure, you know, even why. Well, what, what, it must have been a big mess, and then we read the story, and we get caught up in the animals, and oh. Uh, but lots of people have this question. Who or what are the Nephilim? Nephilim? What do you mean Nephilim? And my scripture doesn't say Nephilim, it says giants. Okay, well, who are the giants and why are they there? And th- those are the kind of questions when you read the Bible you should ask. But we sort of have a tendency to skip over that. I don't know why nobody... But who? we need to look at that. They're obviously, they're playing a significant part here. Who in the world are the Nephilim and where did they come from? And wow, that's I, I'm not even sure. So we're gonna, we got to dig into that because that's part of the problem. Now, given what you know now about the things that we've talked about, the text that we just read should uh, really jump out at you and the things that were going on. Let me go back to... I've, I got verse 4 up there, but... Listen, look at the point God makes. When human beings began to... So he's talking, when the human family begins to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God... Have you heard me say that term? What in the Old Testament that we've been reading about, who are the sons of God being referred to? The Elohim, the spiritual family, the divine family. And you see how clearly the point is made? He doesn't say, and then these other people, we're not sure where they're coming from. They, uh-uh. The sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. And there's, a, there's this neat stuff that happens in the Scripture all the time when you start to read it. So it's a, it's a shift on the story. So to remember... Back in Genesis 3, when we're reading about the fall, and Eve, one of the daughters uh, uh, of humanity, she was there, and she sees this fruit. You know, she's being tempted. And how do they describe the fruit? Beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. Same beautiful word here. So there you have a picture of the human family seeing something as beautiful and doing something they shouldn't. Guess what this is a picture of? The spiritual family seeing something that's beautiful that they're not supposed to move into, and they move into it. And that's exactly what happens. They make children. Uh, and, and so they married any of them they chose. Verse 3, the, uh, the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. I'll get to that in a little while. Their days will be 120 years. Then this one, the Nephilim, the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, the giants, and also afterward, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. The Nephilim, are this breed of people, divine, human, cross, match. I don't even know what to call it. But that's what's going on. It's very clear now, right, that that's the story because you know the setup. That's what happened. The part of the Elohim, uh, they decide, they see beautiful women, and, and they decide that what they're going to do is, is that they're going to imitate God by producing their own sort of human children to image themselves. They're going to counterfeit, what, and the enemy does this all the time. They're going to counterfeit what God does. And so they see them, and they decide to, to make their own family. But they don't, their own children, if you but they don't want family. They're going to subjugate them and make them slaves. So instead of embracing the human family, which was God's plan, they're just going to mess the whole thing up, and, and uh, they're going to try and enslave this group of people. And so that's where the Nephilim come from, these giants. They're, they're this offspring 
of Elohim that have crossed the boundaries they weren't supposed to cross, and they have connected, they have mated with human women, and they produced the Nephilim, the giants, who then continue to do this with other people, and this whole thing, this whole big mess then spreads throughout the population at that time. And we're going to see what God has to do with the human side of that in just a moment. That's, that's what's going on with the flood. But you need to know that God also deals with the Elohim that did this. And, and I'm going to connect some New Testament verses for you. These are those verses too that we, what, what is Peter talking about? Peter must be having a bad day. For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, it's this Elohim we're talking about, but sent them to hell, putting them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. What was he doing? What was going on? Jude clears it a little more. And the angels who did not keep their positions of authority, they didn't run in their lane, so to speak. They, they cross over in ways that they're not supposed to. They abandon their proper dwelling. These he has kept in darkness, bound with everlasting chain for judgments on the great day. So God has, has moved in, and there's been consequences for the Elohim who have done what they haven't supposed to do, created this whole race of Nephilim and giants who then continued to move on through the population. And he's stopped them from continuing to be able to do that. He's put them away until he returns. So they've been dealt with, but the damage was done. And it was this giant mess. That was funny, giant. I, that was a pun. I hope that comes up again next time. <laughs> Somebody write that down. I want to remember. That was a giant mess. <laughs> the result is that the Lord, God, is grieved. I'll, I will say this again, but I want to say it right now. He's not angry. He's grieved. He's heartbroken over what's happened and the choices of his human family to go their own way and his divine family to begin making choices like that. And it's so bad, Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Look, if you, if you need to and think about I want you to think about that this week. That was the situation because of what the Elohim had done. We had our part in it, but now we're, we're looking at the fall of what we did in Genesis 3. And now we're looking at how they rebel and how that impacts us and them, but mostly us. And I don't, it's not, it couldn't be clearer than this. Every inclination, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time, always, everything, every thought, evil, evil, evil. That's what had happened to the human race. It's not like, um, you know, just moments of sin nature were popping in every now and again. We exp- so I might give you a little lighter talk so you guys can go, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> we had uh, Friday, we gathered at my son's house uh, and had a lunch barbecue, and he's got a little pool, you know. And so it was uh, his two kids, and then my daughter was there with her five kids. So we had all seven grandkids there, and it was a blast. They were having fun. But, but you, you, you get to see them popping in and out. You, the sin nature will pop up, and then the really good stuff will pop out as well. And it will be interspersed, right? Because they'll all be having fun and be really kind and cute, and the next moment this thing happens to some of them, and you're like, where is that coming from? <sighs> Pray for them now. Put them all in time out. What are they doing? Whose kids are these? And then, 
And then even as you sort of deal with it, they'll be so cute that you're like, "Eh, it's okay. So that's not the situation that's going on here. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Everybody get the setup? What the Elohim had done was they had increased the sin on the planet to a point where it was all that there was, was evil going on. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was, his heart was deeply troubled. Get that, the, the grieving thing that was going on. And, and that's what's happening with God. Humanity had been permanently damaged because of the setup that we read about in Genesis 6. It's the Elohim rebel that impacts us as well. And so this involvement from the evil Elohim, Elohim had taken sin to a whole nother level. And so it, it, uh, it leads to the flood. The Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created. And with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret, I'm, I'm heartbroken. And again, let me make sure you hear this. God's not angry. His heart's broken. He's, he, it's just the, the horrific result. It wasn't likely that he engages in a flood that changes everything. That's not the heart of God. But there's, there's the, the, everything has gone to the point where there's no way back. He can't suspend free will because it's, you know, it, he's, he, if he takes that choice away, we won't have people that are choosing to be in relationship with him. So the, the, the result, what happens here in the flood at this point is, is what I would call a cosmic reset. It's, it's a do-over. And, and it, it's, it's the flood is, is what it is. So remember in Genesis 1, when we read it, in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 2, the waters covered the earth, and then the dry land appeared as we moved through the beginning of Genesis. We've talked about that. So it's going to go back. The waters are going to cover the earth again. It's a reset. It's a redo. Because of what the Elohim have done, it's, it's this giant mess. But there's somebody to work with. And that will happen, and there's going to be another reset. You're going to see another reset when we talk at the Tower of Babel, and there's somebody else to work with. Um, but, but the Adam and Eve thing failed. And so now it's going to be Noah, and Noah's wife, and Noah's three sons, and their three wives. And uh, this is the account of Noah. And his family, verse 9. Noah was a righteous man. That means he, he, he was, uh, people think that means he was a great rule follower. It's not what it means. He was in right standing with God. He, he understood who God was and he had relationship with God. Uh, he was blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. He was unlike everybody else in the world around him. Fortunately for us, there was Noah. And God would keep his plan for humanity moving forward through Noah and his children. Now, you, you know this part of the story. Everybody knows this part of the flood story, right? So God comes, tells Noah, build an ark. And uh, uh, what's going to happen is you're going to get on there, your wife's going to get on there, uh, your, your kids and their wives, and a whole bunch of animals that I'm going to send. And, uh, and then this is going to happen. And this process is going to take 120 years. So, And let me make another verse that we read, and I, I think I'll clear it up for folks. Uh, the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever for their mortal. Their days will be 120 years. A lot of people have read that, and they go, Okay, well, at this point, because people were living up to then to be seven, eight, nine hundred years old, what God is saying, that's way too long for you to live. Boom, you get to live 120 years. 
It's not really what the text is saying. This is what happens at this moment. God says, okay, from this point, there's 120 years till the flood. And, and it's a period of grace and mercy. If, because God is good about giving us periods of time of grace and mercy. He's really good about it. And, and so it, this demonstrates the mercy of God. You think, well, why is that going to happen? Peter, again, gives us some clue. Peter really was sharp. Second uh, Peter 2, he says, If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on his ungodly people, but protected Noah, look what he describes him as, a preacher of righteousness and seven others. In this 120-year period of time when Noah would have to build this ark, and, and imagine, that's a big deal. It's a big, go read how big this thing is, or go look at the one model or a couple of models they've made now. It's huge, Right? It's going to take a while, and it's not something you can hide. So people are going to be wandering by. What, what in the world are you doing, Noah? And, and over a 120-year period, Noah would tell people what's going on. This story would get around. 120 years is a long time. It would pass along, and Noah would say, there's, listen, there's a flood coming, but you can, get, you can get on too. What you need to do is repent. You need to quit doing what you're doing. God's making a way, and, and here it is, and here's his picture. Look, the, the, the picture of what happens uh, at, with Noah and the ark is a, is a picture for us we see in the cross, that Jesus has made a way for us. God has made a way for Jesus. It's there for all the world to see, and everybody gets to choose. You either choose yes or you choose no. God still gives us that choice. They had a choice, 120 years, of what was going on, of seeing what was going to happen, and they don't listen, sadly. None of them listen. They don't respond to the warning of God. And the flood happens, and it's horrific. Don't, don't, it's, it's a, you know, I, th- I think about creation all the time and the hits that creation takes because of sin. When it, they, they bear the, con- that's why when you read in Roma, creation groans until everything gets sorted out. When we do what we're supposed to do finally in Christ and everything gets restored and renewed, it's groaning. They, they born a lot of the mess. Um, but after the flood, this thing happens in Genesis 9. This is the beginning of a covenant that God makes with Noah. You should probably read the next 16, 17 verses. I didn't have time. But God blessed Noah and his sons, wives and daughters, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Where have you heard that before? It's the exact same command that was given to Adam and Eve. This is what we're going to do. You're going to be fruitful, make more of you, and then go into the rest of the planet. We're going to partner together. That's what we're going to do. It's a do-over. Noah, here's what I want you to do. Multiply, and then go out into the, subdue the work. Go out everywhere. Could tell everybody about what's going on, who God is, what's going to happen. There's going to, going to make more people. Now go. And uh, they start out okay, but they don't go very long before there's another mess. And, and we're going to read about that next week. And that's sort of the, next week is the Tower of Babel. That's going to be the third big rebellion. And really with that one, we'll set the stage there for everything else. You're going to be able to tie some things together now that I, I think maybe you've wondered, like, why is that, what is, what is it? So, so we set these things in place, and then we can get a good idea of what's going on with the spiritual battle. So read the rest of Genesis 9 this week. If you can read Genesis 10, I know it's a little boring. It's the table of nations, but that's, that really plays into what we're going to talk about next week. And then read 11, Genesis 11, get a handle on the Tower of Babel and what's going to happen. And we really set some cool things up 
next week. But uh, I think that's good for today. Ministry team, those of you here might head over the wall. People on the way over there are here to pray for you. And if you need prayer for anything, then make sure you get it. But let me say this. Listen, we're invited into God's story in Christ. He's done everything that needed to happen for us at the cross. We were, we were disconnected, if you would, kicked out of Eden. But God came, Jesus. And he lived the life we couldn't, and he went to the cross on our behalf where he defeated and paid for sin, defeated the power of sin. And then he rose again and defeated the power of death. And because of what he's done, our way in is through him. And, and our, our response is yes, basically. It's, it's we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's this amazing opportunity of the gracious and goodness of God that makes a way for us to be reconciled to him and to make it through. And if you've never done it, please do it today. Jesus, will you be my Lord and my Savior? And that's the beginning of the relationship that changes everything. The Holy Spirit will come and things get gets different from there. So if you've never done that, do it today. Amen. As the ministry team gets set up over there, I just have a a word that the Lord wants me to share with you that he showed me during worship. And I feel like there's someone and you're feeling really overwhelmed and small and invisible. And the Lord said, you're small like an ant because the ant can carry disproportionately its, its weight. And he sees all that you're carrying And he wants you to know that you're a mighty warrior, that you're not invisible to him. You're mighty like the ant. And we we would all like to be mighty like that. But if that's you, may the Lord just bless you. May that land on you like love. And may you know that you're seen by him. Amen. Amen. Good word. I like it. Uh, Ministry team is there. What do I do next? Oh, yeah, offering. Uh, (laughs) Thanks, church. For being so generous and for being cheerful givers. And thank you for continuing to tithe and give and make your offering. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we bless you for that. Um, And let's sing doxology and it will rain some children with backpacks. Look at that, styling. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. Go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here today. It looks like it's getting nice out there. So get out there today. Maybe catch some fish. Have a great day. Hope your team wins. Be kind. That's a big deal. Let's be kind. God bless you guys. We'll see you soon. You want to get in this job? Come here. Got to hurry up before we run out of time. Thanks, everybody. God bless you. Thanks for watching Tower Babel next week. Yeah. Really cool stuff. So good, good stuff. Hey, show everybody your backpacks. Turn around. Let's see your backpacks. Yay! Hi, Mary Thomas. I love you. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.